What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of The Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast brought to you by 90 Min. I'm Scott Saunders, joined again by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. Remember to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple, Spotify and Google Pods and follow us on Twitter too. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promised Land MU. Rob, we are recording off the back of a, a win for Manchester United in the Champions League. Uh, they've beaten Villarreal in Spain 2-0 to qualify for the last 16 of the competition. How are you doing? Not so bad. You know, isn't it nice to actually see some football and have a positive result to to muse over and to discuss? Um, and more than that, obviously, you know, with Ole going out the door, lots of talk about new managers coming in, and we'll talk about those today. To see that United played some constructive decent tactical football and win a match on a let's be honest a difficult place to go against a team that obviously stuffed it to Ole in the Europa League final not so long ago it was all in all a really really good performance and there's plenty of takeaways to discuss about it yes indeed it was Michael Carrick's first game in charge we will see how many games he does take charge of over the next few weeks the interim interim, as he's been christened. Uh, we'll talk about Jaden Sancho finally arriving uh, with his first goal for, in a Manchester United shirt. We will look at the manager situation because obviously we have to. Ernesto Valverde has been linked over the last 24 hours or so. We're recording this on Wednesday after the Villarreal game. So things can change pretty quickly, uh, but we'll see what happens. We'll talk about how soon United need to act and you know put this to bed whether it's an interim or whether it's a permanent boss, we will see. And we'll look ahead to the Chelsea game as well. Fresh off the back of a 4-0 thumping of Juventus and they're probably one of the form teams in Europe at the moment. So that win against Villarreal for United was probably massively needed going into a game like that. But Rob, let's, uh, let's look at the Villarreal game briefly. And Michael Carrick's been put in charge. Uh, obviously, it was a rough uh, 48 hours or so for for him and for the staff who were working under Ollie, obviously they are all still there and it was only Ollie who has left the club, but there looked to be a plan. It was a competent performance. I think that's how I describe it. They, they did give up a few chances, but you know, as to be expected, Villarreal are a good team. Uh, perhaps there's some things you can improve on defensively, but I think the fact that United stayed in the game through half time and into the final stages and, had quality players to bring off the bench probably made a difference. And the fact that it was a win and Atalanta managed to draw with young boys probably means that United, barring a, a miracle, uh, will win the group as well. So I think that's quite important. And it's just, it's a massive thing to just get it out the way with a game to spare in my, in my eyes. I think if they could have lost that game and everything piles on top and they go into the last game knowing that it possibly would have been out of their hands depending on other results, even if they'd have beaten young boys and they might not have qualified. So it was a big win in the circumstances and it's they can put the Champions League to bed now and concentrate on a manager and getting the Europe, uh, getting the Premier League sorted uh, over the next few weeks. So how did, how did Michael Carrick do? I think he did really well. And importantly for me, it wasn't just Ole 2.0. You know, so it wasn't just what we've been seeing you often get this, don't you? When a manager leaves a football club, the suddenly things look a little bit different and you get a victory and things feel better and you move forward. So United needed that win to just ground them. You know, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is probably going to be one of the few managers who's qualified from the Champions League group with 10 points and been sacked. So, you know, the kind of uh, theory that football fans have about the Champions League and that you get sacked after you get knocked out is not true because United have gone through with 10 points. I think they've actually been confirmed as group winners. I'm not sure about that, but I believe they have. So 
that's a really good. You are correct. They actually have. Yes. Yeah. So, so you know, they've topped the group. They go through obviously uh, as through in the top seeding with that, and that's a big achievement, you know, out of that group, which which was tricky to say the least. I think the the good thing for Carrick and the performance itself was that he made one or two real key choices in there in terms of the shape and the personnel. So, of course, Donny van der Beek started the game. We know Donny doesn't start games. And Jaden Sancho started the game. We know that Jaden hasn't started games. And did it work or did it not work? Well, for 70 minutes, United were pragmatic, and I'm fine with that. I think when you're on the road in Spain, you need to go match up. So, you know, they were 4-4-2 at times out of possession, and then in possession, they switched to 4-3-3. And they did it really successfully. Like you just said there, it was a competent performance. I'm going to go one step more. I think it was a really good performance. I think in Europe, you need to understand uh, with the opponents that you're not going to get everything you want. You have to keep your shape. You have to work hard. And this United team just hasn't done that this year. For whatever reason, whether it be Ole, the coaching, the players, or whatever we want to kind of call it, they've just not done it. Last night they did it. And I I think it was the key choice of having Bruno out of that midfield is that even though he does work and he does the, the maverick stuff and runs around, I think his discipline can be poor. And that's hurt United. There's been big spaces in that midfield because he's not been doing his job. When he came on, I thought he played quite well. He fitted the shape, but maybe having a bit of a rest and maybe sitting on his hands on the bench is going to be a good tonic for him in the weeks ahead. Yeah, it's definitely something to think about, isn't it? I mean, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer used Bruno Fernandes so often. Like He started pretty much every game. There's been a big split uh, in the fan base around whether Donny van der Beek should get his uh, get his place ahead of Bruno Fernandes at times. Obviously, he's, he's not going to usurp him permanently, I wouldn't expect. But generally, that's the position you'd expect van der Beek to play in. Uh, and it's an alternative to Bruno. I mean some fans would like to see van der Beek in the in the two beneath Bruno but he's been tried there it's a bit been a little bit mixed and as Carrick pointed out uh when justifying whether or why he dropped Bruno I think he just pretty much said Look, I've got a good squad of players and I think it's quite true I mean there's been a hierarchy develop over the last few months under Ollie and Bruno has pretty much solidified his place as the man to start every single game in that team. But Donny is a uh, offers different qualities. He's, you know, he's desperate for a chance as well. And I think the fact that Carrick has made a bold call like that and given Donny a chance will probably lift his spirits, lift his energy. Uh, and you mentioned Jaden Sancho. I wanted to to speak about him as well because I thought he was. I think that's his best performance in the United shirt, hands down. He obviously opened his account uh, for the club. I think that's 12 appearances or whatever without a goal or assist before scoring an injury time with a, a lovely drilled finish into the top corner off the underside of the bar. Uh, quite, I, I really like those finishes, actually, when they, when they bounce off the underside of the bar. It's quite satisfying. But I think for him, it's, it's, been, a, it's been a difficult first few months at Old Trafford for him. He, obviously, he's not had enough chances. I don't think Ollie's really trusted him as, as as much as other players over the past few months. And I think the fact that he was just given the chance to go and express himself in a sense is, is a big thing for him. And I think even with, you could see in the early stages of this game, I think that the group were lacking a bit of confidence, but I think Sancho picked the ball up around the quarter of an hour mark and started running forward with it. And even in a time where there's not a lot of confidence going around and you'd probably expect somebody of Sancho's age and experience to perhaps, you know, let it get on top of him. I think it was really refreshing to see the fact that no matter the confidence levels, whatever happens, he was ready to go and take people on, dribble with the ball and make things happen. I think the fact that he scored the goal at the end of the game will be a big pressure off his shoulders and he can start afresh. Yeah, certainly. And I think as well, you know, when you look at the shape, you kind of highlight Sancho and, and Van der Beek. The tactical difference between what we saw against Villarreal and maybe the rest of the season is that they matched up man-to-man in that 4-4-2 that Villarreal play. And that means that you can say it's quite narrow, nice and tight, means that Sancho's got a bit of protection, means Van der Beek's got a little bit of protection. And that Then on the front foot, you go and play something more expansive, like a 4-3-3. And that helped Sancho massively. We saw that. It helped Ronaldo. It helped Martial. It helped those players that you want to get on the front foot. And 
And that's something that we haven't seen. And that's a tactical choice of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, is that he's either stuck to the 4-2-3-1, tried to switch to 4-3-3 in games, but successfully not successfully done that. It's all fallen apart generally when they've done that. And then, of course, they've gone regressive and gone 3-5-2 because they're scared of conceding goals. So last night, you might have seen a 3-5-2. You might have seen United just play a low block, but they didn't do that. They went, they kind of, they, they matched up to Villarreal and they said, right, well, in that case, later on in the game, we'll outwork you, we'll get the ball and we'll get to the, we'll get to the byline, we'll get to where we want to be. And they did it. And, and I think that that's why it was such a successful night and a good performance, because there was certainly a game plan and that game plan was executed. Because at the end of the game, you win 2-0, Sancho scored you a goal, Van der Beek got you 60 minutes. You started without your, one of your main talismans with, uh, with Bruno Fernandes and you shuffled that pack yet you still won and had probably your best performance of the season. And I, I'm, I'm going for that. I think I was more satisfied with that than I was the Leeds United win at the start of the season or the Newcastle win, these big big goal-scoring performances. Then that's a massive positive to take to Carrington when they're training for the next match. So, you know, I think Carrick passed that first little test as a coach. And it did show that sometimes I think there was a differential when you have a coach like Carrick and you have a manager like Solskjaer, that maybe the ideas don't always match up because what we saw from Carrick's brain was not what we've been seeing from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's. Let's talk about Carrick and uh, the managerial situation as a whole. How soon do United need to act here? Because Carrick has been put in charge and has admitted he doesn't actually know how long he'll be in charge for, but you'd think unless something happens very, very quickly... Mauricio Pochettino's name has come up quite frequently in the last few days. We'll talk about him in a little bit. But uh, you you wouldn't expect anybody to come in ahead of Carrick before the Chelsea game on Sunday. How soon do United need to decide what they're doing with the manager? Because we'll talk about interims in a second, but let's, let's look about Carrick first off. Do you think he's set and ready to take the team for a number of weeks? I do. And, you know, I'd said when Ole was sacked to, to United fans that don't be surprised if this spell is elongated because bringing in the right guy for the next the next job has to be the has to be a process. It might take a little bit of time. Of course, football fans don't want to hear all those things. I say it all the time, but that's where we are. I think the positive of having Carrick take the team is that he's already fully aware of the drill of what they're doing behind the scenes, who's performing, who's not performing. He can kind of work around those things. And I think it showed that he can competently do the job. You know, we saw that against Villarreal. Now we do know that he was told that it was kind of like a one, a one job gig, gig. That was it. You know, he was going to do Villarreal and then told what happens next. And we do know that Manchester United are knocking on plenty of doors, but they really want one guy. So now they've got to kind of negotiate to get that one guy out of a certain club from Paris. And it all depends on how long that takes. Is it a case that he comes in next summer? That is a distinct possibility. Or can you get him out quicker? And then there isn't this need to kind of have an interim, interim, an interim, an interim, 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 and all of this stuff that we keep hearing from United. And Carrick can maybe do the job for two or three games. Uh, I do believe he hasn't got the license to do it any longer term anyway. He's got his coaching badges, but doesn't have the Premier League license. But, of course, United can uh, apply for dispensation. That's happened before in the past uh, in England, in English football. So that's not too much of a big deal. But it's, I think United's board want to act quickly because they do understand that the more quiet they are, the more they sit on their hands, the more they are going to be criticised and the less competent they appear. Um, they want one guy, but of course, there's still several on the list and they're going to try and get that guy as quick as they can. Yeah, uh, other managers have been linked with the post, but let's... Let's focus in on Pochettino a little bit because he has, in his pre-match press conference ahead of the Manchester City away game in the Champions League, he is in Manchester or is in Manchester at the time that we're recording this. He didn't really rule it out. I think there's interest from his side. He's obviously failed to get the job up until now, probably because United haven't been that decisive. I think they went with Ollie at a certain time. I think Poch was lined up to replace Ollie, but they ended up sticking with him at another certain time. And there is a bit of a sense that if I don't take it now and they go with somebody else, what am I going to do? Because I think with Mauricio Pochettino in Paris, the noises out of 
the club side seem to suggest, and this could be in relation to the situation, but it seems to suggest, oh, we don't actually think he is what we signed up for. He's not quite as good as we were expecting and all this kind of stuff. We'll see. I mean, Pochettino has always had that desire to move to United and, and there's obviously interest from United side, I would think as well. You know, there's this, there's the case that I think we're only 12 games into the Premier League season and obviously they've qualified for the next round of the Champions League. It's time now really to focus on the next few years for me. I mean, the, the club put out in their statement that they were looking for an interim to replace Michael Carrick, who is the interim. But there's a lot at stake this season still. I think they're only six points off the top four. That could change after the Chelsea game, given they're, they're in great form at the moment and you're not really expecting United to go there and win. But there's enough left in this season to address it and potentially have success come May or June. So they have to go for Pochettino now, right? I think it's it's probably the right thing to do. An interim, if you're if you're looking at potentially saving money on Pochettino's contract now in comparison to the summer, you're going to end up paying an interim anyway and his possible coaching staff. So what's really the difference? So what do you think, Rob? I mean, we'll talk about interim options in a little bit, but on Pochettino, do you think he's the right fit for this? Do you think he is the best choice? And do United have to do all they can to get him now? Well, I think he's the perfect fit. So I said that, again, on several of my shows and stuff that I do. Uh, and what I meant by that is that, you know, I always kind of towed the line in years gone by that the best coaches in the Premier League were certainly for me in, that, in the order of Pep Guardiola and Klopp. And then for me, Pochettino was always third. You know, I think for what he did at Spurs in that period, I know it ended badly. He showed that he's got that acumen to be able to operate in England at a very high level, both tactically and with winning football matches. Now, yes, he didn't win a trophy. I get that. People still mention that's all we've heard again the last couple of days. But I think in terms of getting the guy to do the job long term, like you just mentioned there, it's important to go and get someone that has got that standing already. Now, it's important to add that Pochettino has had talks with Ed Woodward two or three times about this job. So this is not a new conversation. This is not a guy that you've just approached for the first time. This is someone that wanted the job before and it was kind of offered the job, but the Spurs um, the Spurs hierarchy just didn't want it and we're not going to allow it to happen. And even when Pochettino was out of a job, there were conversations then about the potential of becoming the next manager. So this is not new. And this is why I think it's moving so fast is that Pochettino does have a desire to come back to England and manage Manchester United. Just to kind of explain it a little bit further detail, but not going too deep, there are kind of four factions at play here. There are Manchester United people, there are Pochettino's people, there's the French press and there's the English press. And then there's an additional caveat of the PSG dressing room. And what you're finding is that the English press are obviously working with Manchester United and this is going out and there's, they're being very obvious about who they want. Pochettino's people are not denying it. They're also feeding the machine. And now what we're seeing is that the French press are going along the tagline with, with PSG of, well, we don't really rate him anyway. So, you know, maybe we'll move him on. So I think these things are all aligning because I don't think PSG are particularly hot in keeping him long-term. There could be a case that they would sack him in the summer anyway because Zidane's available, there's a World Cup, there's all sorts of political things going on there. But I think this is also why Pochettino is keen to move sooner rather than later, because he knows that even though he's at a great football club, he could be in a project for five years at Manchester United, achieve more, have a great squad, great budget, and he'd actually earn more money at Man United. So these things are moving fast. United have got interim options. I think it's strange that they put that in their statement that they're looking for an interim, because why tell people? You don't have to tell people that, do you? You can just say, Michael Carrick's in charge, you know, please wait for more information but they kind of were a bit explicit about that. So I think, again, another PR gaffe from Manchester United. They do have a history of that. I think they did it with Ollie as well. Uh, obviously saying that on, Ollie would be an, in charge for the rest of the season. And then going back on that after the, the famous Rio Ferdinand bang in the desk, PSG win, all of that kind of stuff. He probably did earn it, but there's the potential. We'll talk about interims in a minute, but there's always the potential that another interim comes in and the same thing happens because they are previous for it. But looking at Pochettino, for me, he's always been the next choice. 
um, for a good couple of years now, I'd say. And it's always been a case of waiting for United to make a decision on Oli and whichever manager they had at the helm. I think Pochettino has a lot of previous... He's done a lot of good work in the Premier League. He's got that experience with Southampton and Tottenham. He has brought through and gotten the best out of players like Harry Kane, Deli Alley, and where's Deli Alley nowadays? I mean, since Pochettino left, he's uh, essentially fallen off a cliff career-wise. And Pochettino's worked with other players like Luke Shaw before. He wanted to sign Bruno Fernandes. Anthony Martial, I believe, was a, a linked to Tottenham when Pochettino was in charge as well. So there's a lot of players in this United team who you would fancy to Pochettino get to get the best out of. So is that one of the big reasons why you think United would want him? Because he improves players, right? Yeah, totally. And he's a project builder. So he takes his time. He can operate without not a huge amount of money in a transfer market. So we always have to remember that when Tottenham got to the Champions League final, they spent exactly zero pounds that season. You know, he took the existing squad that people thought were failing or were on the slide and got them to a Champions League final. That's a huge achievement. It's not a trophy at the end of it, but it shows that his man management and his tactics are acute and he can find ways and methods. So I think the biggest point in all of this is that Ed Woodward loves him. And Woodward had said behind the scenes plenty of times that Pochettino was his guy, that he really wanted him at the club, but it just couldn't work out at that moment of time. So that's why he is the obvious choice. I would have been happy with other managers. Like I like Ralph Ranić. I, I think Brendan Rodgers has got plenty of good positive points. I'd have liked Antonio Conte a few weeks ago when we were talking about Ole potentially being sacked. But I think when you look at stuff that's on the table now, there's no doubt that Pochettino is the best candidate and the leading candidate because this is a job he's wanted for a long time. And I think he's already been sold on Manchester United. This isn't a case of going to Zidane Zidane last week and saying... Would you like to come to Manchester United? We'll give you all this money and you'll be with Ronaldo. The truth is that Dan just isn't particularly interested. And he said it now twice. He turned the job down twice in, in a week. So you have to kind of look at your all of your options. And I think when you look at Pochettino, um, he's not the glamorous option. Like This is what I will say with Man United. A lot of United fans are already going, oh, he's not a winner. He can't do this. He can't do that. United fans are not particularly turned on by Pochettino. But I think he's the right candidate. I think if you want to build your football club over a period of time, then you give it to someone like Mauricio Pochettino. I think one of the things at Tottenham that really stood out to me was, and this kind of has wound me up about the United team over the eight years, nine years, is the amount of effort and running they put in. I think his Tottenham teams for a good couple of years and his Southampton team were among the leaders in the league for distance covered. And there's a lot more to squeeze out of the squad that they've got at the moment. You know, it's not so much that I would like United to play on the front foot all the time. I think there's a there's a time and a place for that. But the fact that he can or has previous of getting a tune out of players and making them work really hard for the team, I think this is what this squad needs. And I think they could buy into him. I, I really do. And, you know, he's obviously he comes with that thing hanging over his head of not really winning a major trophy. And it would be interesting to see him walk away from you'd think a guaranteed league on title. Uh, I think PSG are 11 points clear at the top of the league and that's probably going to happen at some point in the next few months. But the fact that Pochettino is interested in this and brings with him so many good qualities that I think could maximise the squad of players that United have got makes him the right choice. Now, you mentioned Zidane. That's completely off the table now uh, from a United perspective. Do you think he'd... Uh, is he the right choice to step into PSG just briefly? That's, that's, a, that's a great fix, right? I mean, Pochettino leaves Zidane's step straight in. From your understanding, do you think he would do it or is he waiting for the France job? Well, we know from intermediates in the French press that his agent is very keen for him to end up at PSG if that deal is on the table sooner rather than later. Again, like I, I kind of alluded to, there are political things that play with Paris Saint-Germain with the World Cup coming up, their ownership and kind of how they want to project themselves, you know, in, in terms of um, washing maybe their uh, their own um, 
what's the word kind of standing in the world how how they look you know par- Zidane would be the perfect choice to be the coach that leads Lionel Messi Neymar and Mbappe it's a, it's a perfect Galactico uh, kind of formula and they want to do that that's something that's that's on their agenda Pochettino doesn't really fit that so Pochettino got the job because he was the best guy on the market. But you could see that even when they lost the title last year in, in Ligue 1, there, were, there was a lot of calls to to just move Poch on quickly. But they managed to find a, a deal. And and I think this is why it's interesting, this kind of break clause in there about uh, of 11 million, because it doesn't sound a lot. And I think English fans are sometimes confused by these things because that wouldn't really happen in England. There would be a much bigger break clause for a manager of that standing. The issue is, is that these managers at PSG know they're going to get sacked. So you look at Thomas Tuchel, it's now widely kind of agreed that Tuchel's one of the best coaches on the planet and he's got such a high standing, went to Chelsea, won the Champions League. But when he went to Chelsea, Chelsea fans didn't want him, PSG fans didn't rate him, and his stock had kind of crumbled. So it was more the fraternity within football to still say, no, Tuchel's a good coach, just give him time. So he went and he's proved that at Chelsea in a, in a relatively short span. And I think for Pochettino, there's that same thing going on. That if he came to Manchester United this season and in six months just kind of balanced the books, managed to make sure that United played good football, sorted out maybe some of the primary issues and got United into the top four and maybe even win a cup. You know, I'm talking about even the Champions League, the FA Cup, things like that. You know, we can dream. But that would be huge achievement for someone who has got this, maybe people have kind of got a different idea about him. It's very difficult to play your system, Scott, when you've got Mbappe, Neymar and Messi up top and you have to play 4-3-3 and those front three do not do the defensive work that you need because Pochettino teams need that. They need to defend from the front and be in a shape. So I think that that's a difficult thing for him in, in France. In French football, we can get away with it. The opponents are not that great. You know, so you can kind of play freewheeling, you know, like basketball style, uh, kind of you, you to me, to me, to you, my ball, your ball. And you can do that and you can beat teams. and. That Paris team does concede goals. But if you came to Manchester United, I think you'd see something more akin to the Tottenham Hotspur model, where they would be more of a pressing unit. They would stick together. And they could play the low block when they wanted to, but they would be. it's more in tune to, I think, what Manchester United's strengths could be uh, as opposed to what he's got at Paris Saint-Germain. You touched on uh, Thomas Tuchel uh, a couple of minutes ago. And this is a big takeaway that has been pointed out. I think there's a piece on 90min.com, which you can check out from uh, Sean Walsh in relation to uh, United's win over Villarreal and the difference in what a, a great coach could be. I don't know if you remember that Chelsea squad at the time that Tuchel came in. were largely panned for just, you know, the squad isn't good enough. You know, they're not really working hard enough. Frank Lampard is the victim here. He shouldn't have been sacked. And within six months of Tuchel coming in, it's a completely different kettle of fish. Antonio Rudiger, I don't think he could get in that Chelsea team at the point where Tuchel came in. And now he's regarded as one of the best defenders in the Premier League. And it really just goes to show that you can really put this squad of players down as as much as you want. And fans are very keen to do that, especially fans from other clubs, very keen to say, oh, Jadon Sancho is overrated or all of these different players are not worthy of this shirt really makes a difference in who the coach is and how much that coach is getting out of them, as Thomas Tuchel has proved at Chelsea. And I think I do hold out a similar hope if Mauricio Pochettino ends up coming into United because he has a past history of improving players and working with them. And Solskjaer did it in a number in a few cases. I think there's an argument for Luke Shaw and Marcus Rashford at times uh, improving under his guidance, but I think that's basically fallen away in the last few months. So... It's, it's really important to just find a coach who is able to get the best out of what he's got, isn't it? Totally. And I think squad development in the modern game is the most important thing. So in years gone by, it might have been a case that you had your core of 11 and you made them work and then you had some fringe players and you could go and win titles, you'd go and win cups like that. I think those days have gone. You need a project manager. You need someone who will come in, take your existing players make the bad players better and the good players great. And we've seen that at Chelsea is that they've gone from being very dysfunctional under Lampard to being uh, a team that won the Champions League playing a system. And now we're seeing them eke out even more in terms of their productivity. So we saw what they did against Juventus. They showed what a good team they are, even in Europe, still there. 
so many people have said to me, you know, they didn't deserve to win the Champions League last year. I think there is some merit in that. But if you go and win it, you deserve it. It's yours. You, no one can take that away from you. But we've also seen with Chelsea how good they are in the Premier League. You don't have to be stunning every week. You don't have to be brilliant in every match. You have to win. That's what the game is about. And I think Tuchel has drilled that into this squad. And he's found a way with the rotation to do that in the system. You know, over playing 3-4-3. Doing something that Chelsea fans probably didn't think Lampard would do. And Lampard showed that, you know, just before he got sacked, only a few weeks before, he was top of the Premier League. Several weeks on, everything had collapsed. It's January and you've been sacked. So things can change quickly in football. But you do need to think in one or two year blocks, I think, as a football club. And I know Manchester United do think like that. You know, that's why Ole was given that significant time to go and heal the wounds of Mourinho. But the next coach needs to be someone that takes the project on and then takes it to another level, finds ways of getting those players who are around the fringe more involved. We saw Carrick do that last night, took two players who have not played and get a tune out of Manchester United. You would hope that someone like Pochettino would be able to do that as well, but on a longer term scale. We spoke about uh, Thomas Tuchel and Chelsea there. We'll, we'll cycle back to it in a few minutes, but I did just want to ask you, Rob, about the uh, speculation or the links with interim, ma- interim managers. Sorry. Ernesto Valverde is the name that has been cycled around over the last few days. Well, the last 24 hours, actually, at the time of speaking. And it strikes me that somebody like that, he has previous, he's won titles with Barcelona, Olympia, Olympiacos he's been at, Athletic Bilbao he's been at. He has a good record. He's a he's a solid coach and probably a solid option to take over as the interim manager. But that's not really, for me, that's not really the right way to go if you know that you can get Mauricio Pochettino now. Uh, what do you make of the Valverde reports? There's other candidates who've been linked with the role as well, but an interim, interim, into an interim, into a permanent... There's a lot of this season left. It doesn't really scream the right option, does it? Not really. But I think that if you are going to choose an interim externally from outside of the football club, Valverde is a decent choice. You know, like you said there, he's won titles. He knows how to win. He also knows how to manage big personalities like he did at Barcelona. So I think that's important. But do we really want someone to come in for six months to do a little bit of a bodge job to maybe keep United in the picture for top four and all of this? Well, Yes, that's what the club would want. You know, they'd be happy right now if they got top four and they could start the season again next year under another coach. But this all now depends a lot, really, on what Paris Saint-Germain allow to happen. You know, they allow uh, Pochettino to leave and it's in the contract. There is a break clause that can happen. Then I think all parties will move relatively swiftly. But there is this thing, I I think there's a, a good theory that, Paris Saint-Germain also don't want to appear weak in the marketplace to allow their coach to go to another global rival. There's no doubt that Man United are a much, much bigger team than uh, Paris Saint-Germain when it comes to the global marketplace. But politics, you know, so this, this is how it goes. They don't want to be seen to be weak and they might just think, well, Zidane's on holiday. We'll wait till the summer. Everything's all right. We're kind of winning. No one's particularly that upset at the moment we'll get rid of Pochettino in the summer and we can bring in a, a, a glossy, shiny, new, exciting replacement. And with Valverde, you know, you might think that if Carrick isn't going to do the job for a longer, longer period of time, that at least you're bringing in an experienced choice who knows what the big club mentality is all about. My fear, of course, is that Valverde comes in and does well for six months. What's going to happen? So it's happen- it happened with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, didn't it? For six months, the plan was to just let Ole do it, move on, and then take the next coach. And it didn't happen. Ole got the job. We supported it because kind of deserved it. But I don't think Valverde is, is the right long-term choice for Manchester United. So if he came in as an interim, it would have to be as an interim. Come in, do it for a few games, and off you go. I think did it happen with Benitez as well, didn't it, at Chelsea? Was that right? Years ago, Benitez went there as a short-term fix. And I think he won the Europa League. Is that right? If I can remember right. You are You are right, yeah. Am I imagining that? And and then, of course, they got stuck with him when Chelsea fans were like, oh, all right, he's all right. He's done well. He's won a trophy. And can you imagine that? Valverde comes in, wins wins the FA Cup. United come fourth. And Edward Wood goes, oh, this is all right. (laughs) So that is a problem for me. I would rather stick it out with Carrick for a few weeks and then try and get 
Pochettino as early as possible. And United have to be aggressive about these things. Uh, if Pochettino wants it, and we believe that he does, Manchester United really wants it, those two parties are going to have to kind of work together to get him out of Paris Saint-Germain sooner rather than later. There is a, the potential uh, narrative here as well that obviously Ed Woodward announced a number of months ago that he would be leaving his role. Uh, reports in the last few days have suggested that he is extending his stay to help oversee the new manager search. That to me, if knowing that he likes Pochettino as much as he does, does seem to suggest that potentially that is a route that they're going to go down. Uh, and well, we'll see. I mean, it's not been a good reign for Ed Woodward uh, in charge. Uh, he's done the commercial side of things well, but obviously it's known that the football side has been a mess for a good eight or nine years under his, uh, under his tenure since David Gill and Alex Ferguson left the club. But on the interim permanent debate as well, I think there's a, there's a thing to point out here that, what, you're going to hire Ernesto Valverde for six months? Even, let's say it goes the way of Valverde comes in for six months and you get Pochettino. New ideas now for six months under a new manager. Identity, not really forged. You don't really think. And then he ends up leaving the club. Not really. Paul Pogba could go. Maybe Pochettino coming in might change his decision. Maybe there's other players in the club as well who make a decision based on who the manager is. And then Pochettino comes in in the summer and you're starting again completely. He needs another year to go and imprint his style on the team. Oh, United won't really need to win the league in 2022-23. Oh, we'll give him another year. And it just seems to me, if the will is there now, just go and make it happen. Because, you know, there's no time like the present, really. You can essentially write off winning the league this season. I think United are too far behind. But get top four, have a crack at the Champions League and the FA Cup. And then give him some time to imprint his style, get to know the squad, and then you can start afresh next season and you can probably have the expectations in line for his first full season in charge and move forward from there, right? Well, that would be the ideal scenario. And I think that if United had a choice, if Pochettino had a choice, that he would be the Manchester United manager tomorrow. So I, I think in terms of willing, those things are are there. They're they're real. They're they're not speculation. It's it's in place. That's where the club and manager would like to go. But Paris Saint Germain, as themselves, a very very powerful entity in football with their own agenda, and they do not want to be seen as the third wheel in all of this. You know, they want to be able to flex some muscle. And and if it does happen, there is no doubt that a narrative from the French side will be written that they just don't want him. So there is a feeling in the Paris Saint-Germain dressing room and from the contacts that come through that, that that Pochettino is not particularly the most popular guy, that, you know, his kind of long-term visions for the football club don't really marry up with what the dressing room want to do. They want to win, obviously, today and tomorrow. There's a bit of that at Manchester United with Ronaldo as well. But it's, it's more about, I think the kind of patience factor and he knows at Paris Saint-Germain Pochettino that he's not got long. He really hasn't. So any kind of slight slip in the league or maybe elimination from the Champions League, any kind of failure like that will just trigger it. That'll be it. It'll be gone, you know, and Paris Saint-Germain will say off you pop. And in that period, if he can't find his way to Manchester United because United put someone else in charge or they, you know, they have talks, maybe even Zidane, we'll go back to Zidane again. Miss someone that they convince something, uh, someone left field where where they get a permanent job for two or three years, then Pochettino's out on a limb again. So I think he understands that. And that's why his people have been briefing that he would like to do it, that he'd like to do the job. So yes, I agree with you. It'd be much more agreeable now coming into Christmas that if you can get a guy in place, you've then got effectively two transfer windows to fix things rather than one. So you've got January and you've got next summer. And then you start fresh. So if, if this season falls apart, I'm kind of all right with it. You know, bring in the right guy, give him six months to work with the squad so you can go again next season. Now, most Man United fans don't think like that. I get that. They want to win tomorrow. They've got Ronaldo. They'd like to win the Champions League. Wouldn't we all We'd like to do a Tuchel? But I also think long-term, you've got to have a more kind of pragmatic expectations. And, and I think he's a great fit. You know, I really, really would do. And that's what, what it is. I think uh, Manchester United and Pochettino in the Premier League will be something really nice to follow and actually maybe take United or step on from the Solskjaer project. 
Yes, indeed. Let's focus on the immediate now uh, to round off the episode. A trip to Chelsea and Stamford Bridge coming on Sunday afternoon for United. It's a bit daunting, actually, because Chelsea are in great form. They're not conceding a lot of goals. United are having problems keeping them out. I think, that, was that the third clean sheet they've kept this season? Or am I wrong there uh, against Villarreal? I can only... There's or not second. many. I think, <laughs> I think it's two. I think it's two, I think, this year. It's crazy. So I think they I mean, it 22, in a, 22 in a row where they conceded, I think it was. So. <laughs> and I think Chelsea have, after criticism in the early weeks of the season for not scoring enough goals, are now scoring for fun and keeping them out as well. So this is a daunting trip. United, they did have a decent record at Stamford Bridge a few years ago, but I've been to Chelsea a few times and watched them get a drubbing. So... You know, it's a difficult game. They're top of the Premier League. They're in great form at the moment. They had a hiccup against Burnley a few weeks ago, but they dispatched Juventus in the Champions League. They've put seven past Norwich in the last few weeks. I know it's Norwich and it's not that big a deal, but the fact that they are turning teams over at will and look to know themselves, they have an identity, they know their jobs, They and it's just about finding that final third combination. Romelu Lukaku is probably back. For this game, I think he returned to the squad against Juventus after an injury. What are you uh, What are you hoping for out of this game, Rob? Because it does, as it stands, look like Michael Carrick will be taking it. What can he do? I I feel all right about it, to tell you the truth. And, and the reason for that is I think that when you kind of have a problem in the football club with a, with a manager and things are not working... And then you kind of eliminate that and move that on. Then all the pressure and expectation should just dissipate. So United want to win at Chelsea. Of course they do. But what what really is the expectation here? You know, you've got an interim coach. Things are not particularly great in terms of results, conceding goals, one thing or another. Chelsea are the form team. Then, of course, this is all about Chelsea winning. The pressure is on Chelsea. You know, Chelsea here have played better football in the attacking third without their big striker. They've looked so much more relaxed, so much more fluid with the false nine and playing Kai Havertz up there than they have when Romelu Lukaku was in the team. So I think Lukaku would be back for the United game. And I actually think that suits United. I think it really does. You know, I think they'll be able to mark Lukaku and find a way to maybe stop that penetration that Chelsea have become good at in these last few weeks. And like you said there, I don't think Chelsea have been perfect. The form is really good. They're promising. They're top of the league. They're where they want to be exactly. But I don't think they're unbeatable. You know, I was more worried about United playing Liverpool and playing City, not because of who those two clubs are, but just the style matchup. And I think that at Stamford Bridge, you could go there, you can play a low block, you can play on a counter-attack, you can soak up and you can force Chelsea out of their shape, out of the 3-4-3. You can force them to be more on the front foot and then you could hit them with pace, you can hit them on the counter-attack. And I think that suits United. I think they can do that. I think they can do that much more more relaxed and with more confidence than the 4-2-3-1 we've seen this season that's just completely broken and collapsed. And that really destroyed Solskjaer's reign. So I feel all right about it. I even look at the, the matches ahead and think, this is a nice spell for United coming up. There's some difficult games in there. But I think Carrick should be able to manage it if he's the guy in charge for a few weeks. And if you bring in a manager at that point, say the Pochettino thing gets sorted out sooner rather than later and everyone be happy about that, he then comes into a team with a little bit of clearance going into the new year, into the transfer window with maybe less pressure and expectations. So United just need to go out there and be the best versions of themselves. And they need to go out there, play some actual football like they did against Villarreal and be disciplined. And I'd be happy to see the experiment with Van der Beek continue. I want Sancho still in the team. And I don't think we'll see too too much of a tactical change in what we saw against Villarreal because you want to soak up pressure and you want to be explosive in the final third. And that goal for Sancho, let's be honest, you know, what a move that was. You know, it's a fantastic move through the midfield from one side of the pitch and across the pitch, laid off by Bruno. One touch, bang, top corner. And as you said, a very satisfying finish. We need to see more of that from Manchester United. Do it. Do it with less pressure you're not going to Chelsea to win. You're going there to kind of just see what you can do and see if you can put a, a spanner in the works for Chelsea. Yeah, we haven't actually mentioned Fred's contribution in those goals. I think he played a big part in uh, in both of them, winning the ball back, obviously, for Ronaldo and winning the ball back in his own half in the lead-up to the counter-attack. 
Yeah, just just to kind of finish off on that as well with the double pivot and something I talk about a lot with McTominay and Fred and, you know, United fans as a whole do not want to talk about McFred as a combination. But what you saw last night was that Fred was tasked with going out of possession into that left-hand side of the pitch, something he hasn't done under Solskjaer. He would be the guy normally that sits. McTominay would go and do some more of the work further up. But you saw that shape suited United and Fred had a good game. As you said, he was involved in those key moments of the of the football match so I know people give Fred a bad time but when you looked at his metrics last year he was in the top kind of eight or nine percent of midfielders in Europe for his job what he was doing but of course it didn't reflect that did it because people go on about United's defensive midfielders being a problem so he can do it you know the numbers say that you sometimes just have to empower players and just say look this is a different job go and do it, go and help the team on the front foot and don't just be this kind of regressive run-arounder who has to kind of give energy. Go and actually play some football. And that was what I was pleased about. We saw United do something with the ball in that last 20 minutes. We did indeed. We'll see what United can do in the next game against Chelsea. I think results-wise and the fact that I think United are six points off the top four at the moment, so a defeat might push them back to nine points off the top four or something like that. There's a potential for it to be extended. But I think United go into this, as you mentioned, with the pressure on Chelsea. They're the ones in a, in a title race at the moment. United don't have a manager or have an interim interim. And they're not really expected to do anything, but they do have the potential to hurt Chelsea. And you mentioned uh, briefly, just before we go, United play Chelsea and then they play Arsenal next Thursday. And this is the list of teams that United will play after that up until... March, right? So we've got Chelsea, Arsenal, Palace, Young Boys, Norwich, Brentford, Brighton, Newcastle, Burnley, Wolves, Aston Villa, West Ham, Burnley, Southampton, Leeds, Watford, and then in March, Manchester City, where there's a there's a difficult run in March and April. But uh, that is, if they can get a manager in now and focus on the basics, focus on getting things right and grounding up results. You never really know where they can, where that run can take them. I know it's a, the problem in the past under Ali has been beating teams who United expect to beat, but if you get the attitude right, then that can change. Absolutely. And I always say two things every season, and that is the, the, the league table doesn't really start till Christmas. So you can have bad patches beforehand. And of course, if things are not completely a nightmare, you can kind of still have a really good campaign. That run of kind of three months worth of fixtures, you could say two to three months, looks promising. And it means that if, if United manage to get going, again, one of my little cliches, you've got to beat the teams in the bottom 16. And what I mean by that is that you can be great against the top four. You can be great against those big clubs and have great moments. And they're great. They're great for the fans to celebrate, but it's just three points. That's all it is. If you, you've got to go and beat, the likes of Norwich. You've got to go and beat Palace. These other teams that are difficult to beat, if you go and clean them out and beat all of them, United will be comfortable, comfortably in the top four. And if the teams above United slip, like Chelsea, like City, like Liverpool, suddenly you're in the mix. Like You might not really be valid title contenders, but you might be within 10 points going into the final you know, quarter of the season. And you're still nearly where you want to be. You're not a million miles away. So it's all to play for. And this is why I think United fans shouldn't be too frustrated at the moment because it's been bad and Ole's been punished for that and he's been sacked and it's the right decision. But now it's a new horizon. You know, you look forward, you see what's coming next. If you get Pochettino early, I think you can do something. But I also think an interim here, it's a good period to come in to be able to get results. But this United team needs to stand up. They stood up against Villarreal they proved that they're not a bad team, that there is still some element in there of winners that they want to win. Now you need to do it with consistency against these teams outside the top 10 and in mid-table. You've got to beat them, Scott. There was no excuse for Manchester United, right? This is what I've, I've been saying, is that you've got to beat all of these teams. When Southampton turn up to town, you play in Aston Villa, you play all of these kind of clubs like we've been seeing in the last few weeks, you must beat them. You don't have to be good, you just have to beat them. And if you win and you get three points, then you'll go up the table. So it's a bit of simplicity, but it's also at the same time doing the job. That is your job as footballers, find a way to win. And that is now the task for Manchester United and whoever is in charge. That's You just robbed my line off me there. So now we can trust in the likes of Ed Woodward, Richard Arnold 
and co to get it right because they've done so well in the past, but there's another opportunity for them now. It's not too late yet. Perhaps the trigger should have been pulled a little bit earlier in my eyes, but it's not too late. There's still time to turn the season around and we will see what happens. Uh, Rob and I are Pochettino in hashtag Pochettino in. <laughs> no one win- no one wins the title in November. And at the same time, no one's ruled out of the title in November. So this is the whole thing is that suddenly things can change. If someone had said that Tuchel was going to win the Champions League the day he took the job at Chelsea, everyone would have laughed. Everyone would have said zero chance. Chelsea are not winning anything. They're a dysfunctional mess. Well, Man United are a dysfunctional mess. It's the same kind of scenario. It's just that whoever comes in now has got a big challenge to go. And like you said about Ed Woodward, he's not going anywhere, unfortunately. I think United fans need to kind of understand that now. I think he'll remain in his role. And he has been tasked over the last three or four weeks to find the successor for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So this process has been ongoing. And and Ed will stay because he will want to oversee a project if with Pochettino. If he can get Pochettino to the club, it was his guy. And I think he'd like to see it, see it for a year or two. So I think you'll see that Ed Woodward will be staying on the Manchester United board for the foreseeable future. What an absolute pleasure. We cannot wait to see what the, the next few years uh, have in store for us. But Rob, this has been, uh, after the last few weeks of being downtrodden and digging into United being awful, it's been a nice, refreshing change. Well, it's always good to win, isn't it? If you win at Villarreal, this is a different podcast. And if you lose, we're sat here again going, oh, you know, how do you get up off your knees? But that was what was positive for me was the changes against Villarreal showed this Man United team can still do tactics. Yeah, they can still play on the front foot when they need to. They can still defend. It's going to be a tough ask against Chelsea and Arsenal, two clubs that that have played some decent football this season. We know this. But it's, it's up to them, isn't it? Football is a simple sport. Get the ball on the deck, play some football, do the training, get where you want to be. Um, and I think Carrick, as I said, he passed that first test. So let's go to the next match. We'll see how United do. Uh, remember to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts and follow us on Twitter. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at PromiseLandMU. Check out everywhere Rob does his business. You can follow him on Twitter for all of the updates. Uh, you can catch a BBC uh, Football Daily, which I appeared on in relation to the United Villarreal game on Tuesday night. And uh, yeah, get in touch with us. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you want to talk about, uh, what you want us to talk about, sorry. And uh, I think that's it, Rob. Uh, we'll see how United do against Chelsea and we'll, we will see you guys next week to deconstruct the Chelsea game and the state of United. Maybe they'll have a manager by then. We will see. But thank you very much for listening and we'll see you soon. Nice buns. Soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.